0: hey everyone before we begin today's episode we wanted to um, share some news with you that uh, we have officially launched our patreon page as of uh, today yes so um we've been talking about this for a while we wanted to give you folks a chance to support us if you enjoy what we do want to help us keep making it bigger and better um yeah jamie what do you want to say
1: Uh, So there's going to be three tiers. So lots of options for uh, different levels of support. Uh, With those levels, we'll be offering all sorts of neat goodies depending on the the tier. So we're really excited to be launching it and just so appreciative of you all.
0: We really hope that uh, you'll consider joining us. Um, There'll be a link in the episode. There's also a link in our link tree and uh, enjoy today's episode.
1: Thanks, everybody. We're excited.
0: Uh, Welcome, everyone, to today's episode of Emotional Duct Tape. I'm Corey.
1: I'm Jamie. I'm good. I'm doing pretty well. Thank you, Corey. Yeah. Um, It's the first rainy day here in Florida um, in a while, which is great because we really need it. Um, Our plants need it, our waterways need it. So, um, and I'm just kind of enjoying it, you know?
0: How are you doing? I'm good. I, um, I'm i taking the steps to go back into therapy. I actually stopped going in March, which is probably the worst time to have started uh, wow. just to stop going to therapy. My The therapist I was seeing, um, he left, he stopped taking patients. The new guy, he was great. He was nice, but it just, it wasn't feeling like a right fit. And I, I walked away from that. And so now I'm uh, just seeing just how much everything's affecting right now and, and trying to be better. And so I'm in that process now. So it's great.
1: I'm proud of you,
0: Corey. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, Um, yeah. Other than that, it's been pretty, pretty peachy keen. So, um, yeah. And uh, this podcast has been great. Um, That's this has been like therapy, uh, therapy um, substitute for now. Yeah, Uh, agreed for me too. (laughs) Um, But yeah, today we have a a special guest. Um, So please welcome to the podcast today, um, Cisco
2: Valenzuela. Hey, how you guys doing? Hi, Cisco. Thank you so much for being here. Uh it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah.
0: So um you are your former military and um you and I on Facebook week, we connected through I think a podcast uh Facebook page and uh, you kind of put out there that you were looking to, you know, to to talk about your experiences. And I was like, hey, I'm looking for somebody with experiences. And we kind <laughs> of the 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 world the worlds kind of came together for us to make today work out. So thank you for being here. Serendipity. It's serendipitous. Yes.
2: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, it was in perfect alignment, right? (laughs) There you go.
0: (laughs) So, yeah. So, um, you were in the military, uh, how long were you in the military for
2: altogether a little over 20 years?
0: Oh my goodness. Wow.
2: Yeah. I did four years in the Marine Corps and, and about almost 18 in the army.
0: Wow.
1: Um, and you don't look very old. So, um, I'm guessing, you know, that, you know, that was a big chunk of your life
2: yeah i'll I'll be 46 next week as a matter of fact on monday happy Uh, almost birthday (laughs) (laughs) thank you
0: yeah so so that long in the military i mean um you definitely got the full experience of of that life um so um I, I kind of want to just jump into it. And, and you, you said before that you had some issues with PTSD and let, let's just start talking about the military and we'll kind of go into the effects of that and everything and whatnot and then go from there.
2: Yeah, Sure. You know, um, I, I went, I went into the military three days after graduating high school, I was, I was ready to get out of town, you know, wow. I, was, I was 18 and, um, just where, where I come from, it's, it's a pretty tough neighborhood, and I had some friends that, that, you know, we, we weren't really up to the best of stuff, you know, and I, and I saw friends that were um, getting into drugs and uh, doing things that, that were pretty, pretty rough, and uh, it's all fun and games until it's not, you know, Uh, so I, I was ready to, to, to get out of town and just start a new life, and and that's why I went into the military right away. It's something that I want to do since I was young anyways. So I said, you know, now's the time. And uh, I, I went three days later, which happened to be five days before Christmas, which I probably should have thought a little bit more oh, wow. uh, through before. <laughs> you know, I, I should have probably at least spent Christmas and New Year's with my family. But I was so ready to go. I just left, you know.
0: Did Now, um, you said like the the friends you had kind of were were you know, had, had stuff, but uh, was your home life pretty, pretty good though?
2: Um, my mother was always in the picture. I, I grew up a lot with my grandparents. Okay. Um, uh, my, my, I had a, you know, my, my biological father, he died when I was uh, about seven months old. So I never wow. really knew him. Um, but I had a stepdad that, you know, he did, he did the best he could. Um, he came around when I was about 10 and married my mom about 11. So he was, a, he was there, you know, he was, he was a good guy. Um, I think he, he more tried to be my friend than to be my father, I think, mm-hmm. you know, um, which at that time was fine with me. But as I got older and I started to have my own family, I was like, wow, I wish my dad would have showed me this. I wish my dad would have showed me that, you know, but they're, they're life experiences that we just grow from, you know.
0: Well, you and I are similar in the sense that um, my, my biological father, while he's not passed, he has been absent for most of my life. And I had a I had a stepdad. Um, I had a great stepdad, though, who who was my father. Uh, more than my friend a lot of times. He's my friend a lot more now because I'm older and wiser. but I, I definitely I definitely um, can relate to you in that sense. So.
1: Yeah, kudos to step parents. Mm-hmm. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, yeah. I mean, Corey and I, um, you know, we bonded over the loss of our mothers and um, but that, you know, that is not to say that I didn't have mother figures or, you know, you guys didn't have father figures in your life. So just shout out to, to those people that may be listening um, or have had similar experiences.
3: Yeah,
0: And the reason yeah. I asked that all too, be was because <coughs> I mean, like, it seems like from early on, you know, you already have these complex emotions about how you feel about your life and wanting to get out of of your experiences and say okay this life is not i'm not going to survive this life the way i need to and then Mm -hmm. also too you have the the complex emotions of you know being raised you know and and missing your biological father even though you didn't really know him but you still like you missed you still miss that person and you know so there's kind of like this this early stage setting in your life for for complex emotions
2: yeah it was it was a challenge um I think, you know, in my early years without him, I it's just something that you kind of got used to, but then as I got older, and just thinking about it, I was like, wow, I, I, I really wish I would have known the kind of man that he was, because I, I, I got to know that side of my family, and they always told me he was a good guy, he was he was always funny, you know, very lighthearted, you know, very like- likeable, and, and uh, you know, so I, I, I really desired to have met him at some time, and and wonder what it would have been like to be raised by him, but you know God had other plans. So
0: you know, most definitely, yeah. So so yeah, well, let's let's jump back. You know, you're you're going into the military now, and let's let's continue with that story. So
2: yeah, so I mean, it you you think about going to the military, and, and a lot of people, just like myself, I just imagine it'd be like what you see in the movies. You know, yeah, it'd be tough. Uh, yeah, you you'd go out and, and shoot guns and do do cool things like in the movies. Uh, but you never really get the full grasp of what it takes to get there, you know, and uh, being a city guy, being a smaller guy, I'm, I'm not a man of big stature. I'm only five foot three. You know, I was very light. So I, I had to work twice as hard as, as everybody else that, that was there with me. So it was physically challenging for me. It was mentally challenging for me. Uh, I think it was, it was even emotionally challenging for me. Um, and there came a point at the beginning uh, where, where I felt that I made a mistake. You know, I I thought, man, maybe, maybe I chose wrong. Maybe I did this out of emotion (laughs) instead of really thinking it through. And, uh, and I wrote a letter to my mom. I wrote a letter to my mom and I said, mom, I think, I think I made a mistake. I don't think I was meant to be a Marine. And my expectation was that she was going to say, well, it's okay. I didn't want you to go anyways, just come on home. But she didn't, (laughs) you know, she didn't. When I got that letter back, she said, you told me that you were a grown man and making your own decisions. Mm -hmm. Now you need to stick to your decision. And and that Mm -hmm. broke my heart. Like if I was in in a room full of of men, I probably would have cried, you know, because I was expecting another answer. But then Mm -hmm. she also encouraged me after that and said, but I know you that when you have your heart set on something that you're going to accomplish it, you know? Uh, so, and that was just the beginning. That was in, in my first couple of weeks of going to boot camp, and it, it just transformed my life from there. It was that tough love that that I needed. You know, I didn't want it, but I needed it at that time. You know.
0: Yeah. So you you push through. You make it through basic. You're you're in the military now, and um, I now I've never been in the military. I I've never had that that calling on my life, um, but from my experience as talking to friends who've been in the military and whatnot, there's, there's complex emotions, there's complex situations because um, in the military, you're conditioned to, to be, uh, to be hardened because of the things you have to do um, to get your job done, you know, uh, being, being in act, being in combat and whatnot, but also too, there's probably a culture of, of expectation with, with your, your fellow soldiers as well. And, um, I think maybe this might be the time too to talk about uh, in a way, um, there's probably some toxic masculinity as well within the military, maybe that, I don't know if this is true or not, but maybe, maybe there's just a way of, of truly being able to recognize what you feel or need to feel, or, um, as you take on all these complex things, but then having, you know, your peers Maybe raised differently, maybe told to talk to you know, you know, stop crying, you know, you know, toughen up and get it done. And then you also have your job that you're told, okay, this is what's going to happen, guys. We're going to you know, break you down so we can build you up and make you ideal soldiers.
2: Yeah, and and that's uh, that's that's pretty true, mm-hmm. um, as far as the the building up because the 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 rigors of combat there's there's no way to explain. You know the toughness, uh, especially mentally, that that is going to require of you to be able to survive it. Mm-hmm. So you you get conditioned and you get trained to be tough.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And there's people from all kinds of different backgrounds, all different kinds of cultures, and and that's one the one of the beauties of of being in the military is that I met people I think from every state in the United States of America. Cool. You know I've met people from all different countries, um, and I was even surprised at you know, just the appearance of somebody and then finding out where they came from. I was like, wow, I never would have expected, you know, you know, to look like that or to sound like that. Um, so it, it opened my eyes to, to a, a greater world, which is really good. Um, yeah, it, it, especially for being a, a soldier that's a, an infantry soldier. I was a paratrooper for a few years as well. You know, there is a toughness that comes and there's an expectation for toughness, Um. As far as it being toxic, um, I think sometimes people do tend to go a little overboard,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but I, there's a bond that gets built, a, a brotherhood that gets built even in that. You know, that, you know, when someone new comes in that there's, a, there's I, I guess you can say a, a, an initiation process, you know, to, to be accepted into the group, to be accepted. You're assigned there and, and you're gonna be cared for regardless but you want to be accepted and, and it, re- it requires sometimes you doing things that, that you never thought that you'd expect to do. Um, and I'm not saying things that, that will degrade you. I'm not saying things that, that are purposely meant to cause you physical harm, but sometimes you just do things that you're not used to doing, you know? And
1: um, Well, I'm just wondering how that process went for you. Well,
2: like for, for one example, when I first got to my unit in, in the Marine Corps, um, I was the first new guy of the whole bunch of new guys. So uh, to initiate me, they said they called me into a room and I thought I was just going to hang out and they had me wrestle, you know, with, with the three or four guys that were there back to back. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I was a new guy and, and I guess I held my own, <laughs> you know, I did all right. Uh, and I thought I was about done, but then this, this other guy, this other senior guy came around and he's this big six foot guy over 200 pounds from new york right and he said no he's not done until he can slam me right oh, wow. <laughs> so i was like oh my gosh so like he would grab me and i was a little guy i i weighed like just over 110 pounds you know oh, five my goodness. Three. Yeah. so like easily he would get me and toss me against the, the locker against the dresser and uh and just I got some Hulkamania strength in me somehow, and I just grabbed a hold of his waist, and he tried to push me, and I and I couldn't. And just with everything I had, I threw him into this chair, and he fell over. And uh, and from that moment, they they all had a little more respect for me, because I didn't I didn't back down, you know. I held my ground, even though I got beat up a little bit in the process in the beginning. I didn't give up, you know. And they had a little more respect for me at that point, especially the big guy you know and, and now we're really good friends you know I, I hadn't talked to him in a lot of years but we connected on facebook and and we're really good friends me and me and that big guy
1: <laughs> i love that
0: <laughs> so um i kind of want to start getting a little heavier now if you're okay with that and um i want to start talking about um scene combat and i know that's for some people that's really triggering but you 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 said you're okay with it so we're, we're gonna just jump right into it um so talk about. I mean, I don't know how much you remember, but talk about your first experiences of combat, and how that that started to kind of warp your perceptions.
2: We were there for the invasion of Iraq in two thousand three. You know, they sent us. We we actually got on the plane to fly to Kuwait on Valentine's Day in two thousand three. So that was our Valentine's Day. So to me, Valentine's Day is a very special day because not only is it you know, the day that we celebrate, you know, our, 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 loved one, my wife. But to me, that's the day that, that I celebrate me and my brothers, you know, going into combat. And so I was in the military about 10 years
3: mm-hmm.
2: before we got there.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So that came to the point where it, it all of a sudden became real.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It all of a sudden became real. And, and I realized that as we would watch the news and we would get updates that we were about to do everything that we had been trained to do. And that came to the realization that not all of us might make it back. Mm -hmm. And I remember before having to go into Iraq, before we flew in, uh, I wrote letters home. Mm -hmm. I wrote letters home. We had a guy that that was going to stay back. And, and, and there was a bunch of us that did it, that if I didn't make this, if I didn't make it send these home. And I wrote a letter to my mom to my grandmother and my, my daughter and my son that I had at that time, you know? And, uh, and it just, it it was heavy on my heart and in my mind that whole time. Once I gave those to him, just think that he might have to send them, you know? And our original mission was to jump into the Baghdad airport. Um, so every time that we would get a briefing about it, every time that we would get extra training about it, or we would uh, practice, train on it, I'll get really nervous, mm-hmm. you know, because it's one thing when you're jumping in the United States, you're at a higher altitude, you are carrying the weight, um, and, and you just hit the ground and you do whatever you do. But now in a combat, you're jumping in the middle of the night at a much lower altitude, uh, carrying so much more weight, most of it ammunition and people are shooting at you, you know? Uh, so, it just all of a sudden became real, and thankfully, the day that we were to load on those planes, about two hours before we were about to load, they changed our mission. They said we're still loading and we're still going in, but they had secured a uh, an air force base that was a lot further south, so we just landed into there.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, so we didn't go directly <sighs> into heavy combat, which was, you know, very good. We we were in full. Uh, chemical gear, because we were afraid of, you know, them having possible chemical weapons. Um, but at least we landed there. And it was going from city to city, where you never knew exactly who was going to be on the other end. And, and that's, that's mentally draining, as physically exhausting. Um, especially when you're a leader in charge of other troops. Because to me, it it came to the point where if I have to go, okay, but I want to make sure that this young man makes it home to his mom. I want to make sure that this young man makes it home to his his wife, you know, and and that was the hardest part is being responsible for their lives and and making sure that they make it home. okay.
0: that is a really, um, really Complex set of things to deal with, and especially too. And I, I keep saying complex because I, I've never been in that experience, and I, I don't know all the motions. But you're kind of telling me and giving me idea. But also too, the fact is, um, once you enter into an area where where there's active combat, um, your senses never really you can't you can't afford to let let your senses down to to give yourself a minute to. I mean, I'm sure you're trying to process things, but you can't like stuff, say, okay, guys, I'm gonna go take an hour and like go and like do something by myself. I mean, you, cause you're still, you're still in it the whole time.
1: Right. And then, yeah. And then managing other people's emotions. Um, but I'm really glad that you bring up, you know, family at home and how, you know, that just the process of writing those letters, um, it's really important to get this message out to people to under really understand how lucky we are to have our military people and um, and what they go through um, and to be easier on them, you know, because there is that kind of, you know, from a, from a civilian's point of view, it's like, Oh, they're tough. They did, they chose to do this. You know, there's that, there's that kind of stuff, but it's like the, the amount of, of, physical and mental things that you're going through is is insane (laughs) you know what i mean like people get bent out of shape if you know if mcdonald's is out of filet of fish or something you know they can't imagine um or put themselves in your shoes um and then also the shoes of your family and people at home waiting and praying and and not being able to communicate with you too so um just a Appreciate that you're you're talking about these things because we don't maybe think about them as as just
2: civilians that are so far removed from it yeah it, it was it was pretty tough on on my on my family uh especially at that time because uh there was nothing established there yet the you know we, we couldn't just pick up a cell phone and call home at any given time uh the mail system was so slow because like i said nothing was established you know nothing was established so uh, when they talk about snail mail, it was really snail mail. You know, you would wait uh, weeks and weeks before anyone heard anything. Um, and so my, my, I remember my mother, and my grandmother tell me they were glued to the TV, wanting to hopefully catch a glimpse of, of me or somebody that was on there. But then at the same time, not because more than likely it'd be something that was bad. You know, so it, it was devastating for them, too, you know.
0: Yeah, most definitely uh for sure i, I can't imagine uh, you know your poor family what they had to go through because especially when um that that was peak you know war on terror and that was really like you know, we know we had 9-11 not too long before that and everybody's emotions were great greatly so very patriotic in this country like this whole country was like yeah like like we're going to come together and we're going to fight this um but also to everyone was everyone was was saying um, this hearing news about, you know, their loved ones passing away or, or worried about that fact. So, um, and yeah, like you have the complex emotions of trying to uh, figure out how you're dealing with, with all this stuff. And then you're also in charge of, of men underneath you and you're trying to um, keep them safe, keep them alive, but you're also trying to help them to make sure that they're keeping their heads in the game, so to speak uh because obviously you know one slip up or one if you let down your guard it can cost you or somebody else their life and that that's a big burden to carry i mean that's that's a that's a massive burden to carry so um you how long how long were you were you overseas or in an active combat um situations in
2: that time it was uh we were there for the first year the whole first year so uh one whole year from when it started we were in kuwait in february and then when the war started in March we went right in and we were there all the way to the end of January. So it was almost an exact 12 month rotation there.
0: And so um, you obviously you get to, you get to have your leave occasionally and probably come back home, you know, and see your family and that's good. Um, But then you're back at it for so long. And then, um, so the process of, of kind of grieving things. And I'm sure you've had people that, that have, you've lost over there. I'm sure you have people that, that, you know, that relationships that you valued, you know, they were your brothers, like you said, that they're no longer here or um, things, things just changed obviously. And then you come back home. And so when, when did you start to acknowledge or realize, Hey, I may have post-traumatic stress disorder.
2: Mm-hmm. Um. Well, at, at, at the beginning, you know, just coming back after that first year, um, they, they were still trying to figure it out mm-hmm. what it was, you know, and and just to, just to take it back just a little bit, sure. Um, the the first trip that I went, the first uh, tour that I had in Iraq, um, we we did have in my unit some people get hurt, but we didn't lose anybody to direct combat there. Mm-hmm. In other units, other friends that I knew. Yeah, we did lose someone, but the ones that that I was directly involved with, uh, we did not you know, lose anybody's life, per se, where we mostly lost people were after it was done and we came home. I, I actually think I lost more friends to suicide mm. than I had uh, to actual combat, which was, I, I think, even tougher. I think it's tougher to lose someone uh, knowing that they were hopeless, knowing that they felt that they didn't have anywhere to go or anyone to turn to where they had to take their own life. And and I think that would hurt me and, and, and everybody else a little bit more because we always want to say we're, we're available to you, you know, in your darkest hour. You can call me at any time. And, and then to find out afterwards that they just went ahead and took their lives. And it was usually the ones that, that it did happen to, they're usually some of the toughest soldiers, some of the hardest men, you know, that, that just, they were, they were like super soldiers.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And then to see, like in their weakest point, that 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 happened to them, that that would, that would be heartbreaking. It'd really be heartbreaking. Well, you know?
0: and I so one question about that too. Before we, I know, I keep asking you questions. I'm jumping in, but um, but yes yeah, So so my my question was is, um, you know, it's it's probably I I've never been to the point of depression where I've ever wanted to end my life. Um, but I would assume probably part of it too. Maybe you can speak to this is that it's first off the awareness of what you had to do to do your job to survive overseas or you know in, in active combat but also to maybe to have a structure a rigorous structured part of your life where you know everything that well you know what to expect but then you come back to where you're civilian and that that sense of stability is pulled out from under you so i'd imagine that a lot of suicide and depression that comes uh, from active military, from being in the military comes from not only the stress of what you did, but the lack of what you used to have.
2: Yeah, that, that plays a lot into it. Um, when, when you come back from, from a place like that, where you're constantly on your guard, mm-hmm. you're constantly on alert. Um, and, and like you mentioned earlier, you know, you, you, don't, you don't get a break when you're over there. You know, when... when people back in the States, you know, they, they go to their jobs, you know, nine to five, whatever. And they're, they're off at the end of the day or they have the weekends off. You don't have that over there. You don't have that luxury over there. And even when you do get a rest at night, um, you're, you're literally sleeping real light. I used to be a heavy sleeper till I got over there. Now uh, any little noise in the house, I still, you know, it wakes me up. Uh, I'm just a light sleeper now. Um, You know, so you have that. And then you have, where you go where it's very high intensity, you're constantly on guard and then come to a place where you're not, the environment is different. It it doesn't just click off right away, you know? Uh, There was a a few times where I was back here and I caught myself as I was driving. I would drive a little more aggressively Mm -hmm. because I was constantly scanning the ground. I was constantly scanning for for hazards. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think there was about twice that almost caused an accident because I saw something on the side of the road and I hit the brakes, so I wouldn't cross what I figured would be a kill zone. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, wait a second, that's just garbage, we're over here. You know, so that was tough uh, to deal with. And then I think the hardest part was that you could not explain that to anybody. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: You know, no one would really understand what you were feeling because they they haven't experienced it and you can and and you can try to talk to somebody people would ask you questions but to explain it in a manner that they would actually comprehend and understand it 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 just wasn't there And, and that would make you just feel more frustrated and more alone than anything else nobody gets me nobody understands you know and and you get angry and you get frustrated because you just want to be understood sometimes you got good days. Sometimes they're not so good. Mm -hmm. And, and some moments you're, you know, you're, you're having nightmares night after night. Mm -hmm. Uh, sometimes you just have anxiety of being in crowded places. And, uh, and, and that just seemed overwhelming, especially the anxiety or panic attacks, because you're used to being a tough guy. You're used to, to being able to control the situation. And then when something like that happens, you feel completely weak and and just so vulnerable, and, and it's just not you, you know? And, and that's, that's what drives more stress, I think, in people. That's what drove me to, to depend a lot on alcohol to calm my, my nerves at that time. I was a very heavy drink. There was a culture of drinking anyways in the military, uh, but then when it came to that, it was more of a tool of an escape uh, because that I needed it to help me to go to sleep or to calm my nerves.
1: Yeah. um, That, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Do they prepare you for, for the transition at all? Um, Do they talk about how you're going to feel coming back to regular life? Is any of that kind of addressed?
2: Uh, Now there is at at the, at the beginning there, it was addressed, but not as much in detail as it is now. Cause I think because the United States hadn't been in a long conflict, uh, uh, you know, that heavy in such a long time, that they weren't used to seeing that with people. They, they, I mean, the last major conflict we had before that, uh, we had one in Panama in, the, in 89, but then before that was Vietnam. So they hadn't seen it in, in 30 some years, you know, in 20, 30 years. Uh, so it, it wasn't quite as extensive as it is, as it is now, you know. Um, we, there was a lot of us that, that just felt that if we talked to a counselor, if we went to talk to somebody, that we would be seen as weak. So we didn't want to do it, you know. I didn't want people to think that I was crazy. I didn't want people to think that I lost my mind from being over there. So we just didn't talk to nobody. Now, we hardly even talked to each other about it, you know, because we thought, well, you know, what is he going to think even? But I think it was after we started seeing the effects of, people losing their lives taking their own lives that, that we realize okay we need to start talking to people you know we need to start talking to each other being open to each other you know
0: yeah i think that's so important too because i'm sure you know all of you you know you meet up and you see each other after a while you know and you get together and have a few laughs you know but there's that unspoken silence you know like about you know what all we went through you don't guys say like hey remember that time we were in that combat zone and we lost four of our buddies, you know, or whatever. Uh, it's it's more like, hey guys, you know, it's it's that unspoken bond you have, and so that does kind of play into toxic masculinity, though I guess to an extent. I mean, or any, I mean, any sort of toxic environment and in, and in the, in the military, I don't know how much there is one, but where where there there's this fear and it's not addressed, saying like, okay, there's not one person to say, okay, guys, we need to talk about this, but like like you said, now there's this this realization that. Everyone's coming home. They have these complex feelings. They have these, these emotions that that we're seeing. That for some people, they're killing themselves because they don't know how to process, and then or people who start using drugs, you know, or to your your, your, your case, um, uh, becoming an alcoholic essentially. So um, there, there's a lot of there's a lot more awareness, which I think we're grateful for. But still, I mean, for those those for those first few years, people you know who are coming back home and and dealing with that, you know, that's, that's really rough.
2: Yeah, it, it can be. And, um, you know, the, I think the most important thing is, uh, even from that time when, when it wasn't so extensive, uh, we learned from it. You know, a lot of people have learned from it. Uh, the, the soldiers have learned from it. The leadership there has learned from it. Uh, you know, the government has learned from it and, and, you know, they're, they're taking care of it now you know, mm-hmm. and, that, and that, I think that's what's most important, you know, we, we learn from our failures, and now we're, now we're doing a lot better, you know. Yeah, you
0: think about, you, you, you think about, you know, in World War II, you know, uh, when General Patton slapped the soldier because he was shell shocked, you know, that's what they call, they called it shell shocked, mm-hmm. and, you know, that was like, he just considered him, you know, like weak, Um, no, but that was post-traumatic stress disorder now, and so I think it's great that we're recognizing, Mental health and how it plays a factor in in the military and in that kind of line of work. So, um, kind of jumping back again for a sec. So, uh, you know, you're you're starting to drink more heavily to to cope cope with things. Um, Are are you? Do you have enough self awareness to try to go to therapy at this point or anything like like what's going on in your head?
2: At that time, you know, I I thought about going to the VA because I I had got out for a little under two years. You know, I was in the reserve. You know, so, but I was mostly at home. Um, I was still weary about going to counseling or anything like that. Um, but what I did have, I had a family mm-hmm. that was always trying to be to there for me. And I had a sister uh, who had just become a Christian.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And she was always talking to me about going to church and, and how much God loved me. And, and at that time, I was like, ah, I'm not trying to hear all that, you know? Sure. I, I, came, I came back with a lot of money that I had saved from over there. I was just trying to party. I was just yeah. trying to deal with it my own way. Uh, but the nightmares wouldn't let me, the anxiety wouldn't let me. And, um, and, I, and honestly, I can tell you, I never went to a counselor at that time. Mm-hmm. I never went to a counselor. I never got prescribed anything to help me sleep or anything like that. It, it just came to uh, the day where I was just in my backyard watering my plants. I had just turned 30 years old, like the month prior, and just reflecting on life. And, and I think I, I came, uh, you know, with questions that I had in my mind that I think just about everybody comes through, mm-hmm. you know? And it wasn't just because of my experience in the military, but just looking at life in general. And, and I was thinking, you know, I'm, I'm 30 years old right now. What do I have to look forward to? Are my next 30 years gonna be like my last 30 years is that all i had to look forward to and then i thought in in and, and if that's all that there is who can i really rely on because like nobody tells the truth anymore mm-hmm. everybody's truth is is relative to themselves so what's what's really true yeah. you know because i know there's people that said that they'd be there for me and they weren't but then at the same time i said i would be there for people and i wasn't
3: yeah
2: you know so so where you know where's the real truth hmm and then I thought, okay, and, and what is this all in? Yeah, you know, it are we just do we just born? We live and we die, and there's nothing else.
3: Yeah,
2: you know, or or is there something afterwards? Because I mean, I, I was brought up Catholic, you know, I was I was brought up, in, you know, believing in God and all that, but especially once I became adult, I, I didn't step foot in the church. I didn't, yeah. you know, I, I was trying to do me, you know, yeah. I was trying to to live life what I thought was the best. And in, and in that moment, by myself in my backyard. God spoke to me Mm -hmm. and he said, everything that I'm looking for, I find it in him. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: I was looking for direction. He said he was the way I was looking for validity. He said, he's the truth. He said, I was looking for destination. He said, he's a life. Mm -hmm. And no one comes to the father except through him. And that hit me so hard.
3: Yeah.
2: That hit me so hard because I was like, where did I hear that before? And I remember my sister always telling me, and every time I I turned my, my ear deaf to her, something was being planted within me yeah. so when i was seeking you know just that peace i was just seeking and answers in life god spoke to me and and then right there by myself in my backyard i got on my knees i gave my i, I prayed i gave my life to christ well i i don't even want to i don't even know if there was a prayer or not i just said i need your help i i need you to to help me right now i can't i can't do life anymore like this yeah and it's really beautiful and- <laughs> And I'm going to tell you from that moment, that moment I wept and I wept and I wept because it was like this big weight was lifted off of my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Like, like I was able to breathe again. And it seemed like the more that I wept, the lighter I felt and the clearer, you know, the world seemed. And I'm going to tell you, honestly, I never had another nightmare from that mm-hmm. time. Wow. I never had another nightmare. And the anxiety that I had, it, it almost completely went away. You know, I, I didn't have a lot of those problems anymore that I had because why? Because he relieved me from it. He healed me from it at that time. Yes. And that's all I needed. I just needed him in my life.
0: The peace that surpasses all understanding.
2: That's it. Yes. That's it.
1: And you were able to surrender and finally let out everything you probably have been holding in for so long. And I, you know, that's a common thing that we hear, Um, and I, I, again, I'm glad that you've brought this up because, um, crying is so important, (laughs) you know, and it's, it's, it's such a cathartic experience and the way you found it is even more beautiful.
0: And so, and obviously, you know, I mean, like, um, not, not everyone who listens to this podcast, um, is a Christian. I personally am. Um, uh, but I also know too, that like, that I've, I've seen people in my person my own life like where where you change you know and then um, like you said you know the night the nightmares were gone the anxiety was gone and um you found this focus point to to start your healing you know and so it seems like that was kind of the like the watershed moment in your life where things started to, to change now um not a, now a lot of I know a lot of Christians who do therapy. Did did you still try to go to therapy or try to do anything after that? Was it, was it strictly just focus on God kind of thing? What was your mindset there?
2: At at that point, you know, I, I I felt fine and didn't feel that I I needed to anymore. You know, I didn't feel that, that I needed that, that extra, because God had already taken care of it for me, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and because of that, for a lot of years, I didn't have to, Uh, until I had one experience. I had one experience years later after my second deployment um, and it wasn't really a bad experience but I figured you know maybe I should go talk to somebody just to see and uh, I was in El Paso uh, at Fort Bliss and we we were going to go training in, in the field and all I did was you know get my stuff out of the closet and I began to pack it and this memory came back from the first time I was in in Iraq uh, came to me out of nowhere. Like I hadn't thought of anything like that in years and just out of nowhere. And it it bothered me. And and what that experience was, was uh, one time we were in patrol in in Baghdad and there was a a curfew that was in place. So anybody that was out after curfew, they were usually up to no good. Mm -hmm. And we found a a small group of of people, mostly men there. And uh, apparently there was a, a fight that broke out. It was, Um, I think it was religious in their fight. Mm -hmm. And one guy got stabbed right in the neck and in the face here. Mm. And we just happened to pull up on that. So, you know, we threw him on our Humvee and and I had to try to bandage him up. And and like blood was splurting everywhere. Uh, This guy was freaking out. I was trying to patch him up as we were getting him to the hospital. And uh, as we got him there, you know, they brought up the gurney. We laid him on there and they started to take him in. and, And he started shaking. He started screaming like I, I've never heard a scream like that before in my life. And he went in. And uh, as we got back, I saw that I was covered in this man's blood. And and just what what bothered me was I don't know if what I did was enough to keep him alive.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And and that that always stuck with me and that always bothered me because I don't know if he lived or he died or not. Mm-hmm. You know, I we, we never knew. And, and that bothered me. And then just after all this time, I, I just made, okay, you know, whatever happened, happened, you know, I did my best, Mm -hmm. but then out of nowhere, you know, that memory came to me and I kind of broke down and I started crying. I was by myself and, and that, that kind of frightened me a little bit. And that's when I said, you know, maybe, maybe I should go talk to somebody Mm -hmm. just to see, you know, just to see if, if, if this is normal or not, you know? And, uh, and I saw a counselor there on the base, you know, and by that time, you know, not that there was an expectation for people to go, but it was so available and people would go that it was no big deal, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you had so much support to go see a counselor if you needed to, you know? So it was no big deal. And I went and uh, it was just kind of strange because I, it, it was that issue that I wanted to, to get dealt with, but the lady wanted to talk about like my family. <laughs> she wanted to talk about what was going on with, with my mother and my father and all that. And, and to me, it just didn't, it didn't really make much sense. Uh, So I went a few times and I talked to her and and it was, it was okay, you know, to get, you know, someone to talk about, even though it wasn't about that. Uh, But then I realized the more that I talked to God, the better I felt. Yeah. The more that, that I read my Bible and and allowed God to talk to me, the better I felt, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I, I I did give the opportunity for, for somebody else to, you know, to try to give me a help, give me a hand there. Uh, But in the big picture, it was, in my faith and in my connection with God that, that made the difference.
0: Yeah. And I think too, that's something really good to bring up. We, Cause we have a lot of people who talk about therapy and um, you're, you're not averse, you're not averse to therapy, but you know, everyone has their different, their different anchor points in grief, you know, um, and yours was your faith in God. And Hey, you know what, if, if it's, if it's impacting you in the way it should, you know, if God's doing the work in your life, then there's nothing wrong with that at all. There's right. Then two... that's the way f- for you. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, that, that, that's your truth. And that's totally great.
1: Your, your story is very similar to others um, that we've spoken with in that. Um, something that like Corey and I have learned now through this podcast is that there really are different kinds of therapists and understanding, um, you know, she may have been trying to break down your childhood. If there was childhood trauma. Uh-huh that stuck with you that wasn't healed but it's like you know if you're new to that kind of thing you don't you don't know all you know is that like this isn't what I what I was expecting or what I wanted and sometimes it's hard to verbalize that because you didn't even realize that that it wasn't the right way you know so um it's just cool to hear that you said okay I I did this I tried um, and now I'm going to take a different route because this is what brings me solace. And that's the most important thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I don't ever knock anybody that, you know, goes to a counselor or, or needs medication, you know, whatever it takes uh, for you to have your peace by all means, you know, you know, do whatever it takes. I, I just know what, what, had worked for me, you know, I know what worked for me. So that's what, you know, I, I share with that, you know, I don't, I don't ever try to persuade somebody to not go to counseling or or not take medication. You know, if, if that's what you need, then you do it, you know, you do it.
0: Most definitely. So thinking about how you, you keep yourself going, obviously your faith um, it's very clear that your faith is a big part of who you are. Um, uh-huh. I'm hearing your family, you know, your, your kids, your wife, you know, those are all things are keeping you going. Um, are 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 you, have you done anything to help like other soldiers acclimate back into civilian life? Have you done anything with any work with with anything like that? Um,
2: I was I was wanting to help at the uh, at the VA, mm-hmm. uh, but especially now it's a little more limited on, on who can come and and they're looking for people that are more uh, trained and, and uh, licensed.
3: Okay. Uh,
2: and I'm not licensed in that, so it makes it very limited. But what I do do is you know. Be, thank god for facebook <laughs> I'll put it right. like that thank god for, because you know we can stay connected with people that, that i've known throughout the years and whenever somebody is, is just going through a hard time you know we can always reach out to each other you know and and that i i honestly thank god for for being in the military and coming across the people that i've met because even if i haven't seen somebody for 10 15 years the moment we talk it's like we never miss a beat you know it, it, that bond is just always there, no matter what. even with people that sometimes you didn't always get along with now, after all these years, it's like man you're you're the best friends, you know, yeah, right.
1: there's something to be said about that of just simple yeah. human connection, right yeah,
0: yeah, that's amazing. so um Cisco, one thing we we do every episode now we 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 have this statement, and we we say grief is. And then we ask our guests to finish that sentence. It can be a single word. It can be um, another six, seven words if you want. But if you were going to say grief is, how would you finish that sentence?
3: Uh, I
2: would say grief is a part of life, but it doesn't have to control your life.
0: Yes, there you go. Yes, that's great. That's so good. (laughs) <laughs> um yes most definitely uh it's, it's it's the truth though yeah grief is um it's it's gonna happen it's gonna happen on some level hopefully you know it's nothing that i mean it, it's gonna sh- it's gonna shake you you know uh, but uh it's you you can define yourself outside of your grief and i, I love Cisco that you. You defined yourself outside of your grief. You, you have your faith, you have, you're a family man, you know, you're, you're able to say, okay, you know, this, I was a soldier for so many years, you know, and this was my life, but it is not all that I am. I'm not, I'm not this, this combination of experiences, uh, that are, that are, um, that are giving me nightmares or anxiety, you're saying, okay, like uh, my faith and my God is getting me through this. My family is helping me along and I'm working to make a difference in the people's lives who
2: I do know. So that's, that's great.
1: Yeah. Um, real quick. I heard that you have a podcast.
2: Uh, yes, I do. I, I, as a matter of fact, I just started it this year. Congratulations. Um, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's been a, it, it's been an awesome experience. You know, uh, I've listened to podcasts since Probably about 2012 when I was in Europe, and um, it you know it, it was just something that that I've always you know like listened to. I, I was like learning, I always like hearing something new, you know, something encouraging or something, you know, just uh just something new. And uh, when the pandemic started, you know, we we had a shut down church and everything else. We went online, and I was just thinking, okay, how else can I make a difference, right? And this came across to me, you know, Started podcast. So I started researching podcasts and how do you do it? And, and uh, I, I have no clue whatsoever before I got started. You know, I had to learn everything completely. I, I didn't know about different microphones and what systems to use, but I was determined. I was determined that because of the way the world was going, the chaos, the division, the animosity between people, I was like, where are the positive voices in this? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I, I just want to make a difference, you know, because I think a lot of people get fed information and they just take it as it is. And, and, and they won't, you know, process it or maybe see an opposing view to see if what they're seeing is, is correct or, or to, to the limits of, of what's correct. Because sometimes you get fed correct information, but only so much, mm-hmm. you know. Absolutely. Or you can be so. fed
1: so much negativity that you just get wrapped up in it and it becomes the mm-hmm. world. Yeah. Uh, So so what is it called? Have you launched yet? Um, What is the concept?
2: (laughs) All right. So the name of the the name of my podcast is Brazen Veracity. And Mm -hmm. the reason I use that uh, is because brazen means bold, you know, Mm -hmm. just being bold and veracity, meaning the truth. So it's it's just having a conversation, uh, bringing a, a different opinion, but being bold with the truth. Right. Not following You know, the the narrative of everything else, but bringing the bold truth in in a conversational manner, sharing my experience from a practical Christian perspective, because I think a lot of people are churched out. Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, a lot of people are are maybe not receptive to to listen to a preaching or or to go to a church or anything like that. But what I'm trying to do is come from the, the perspective of a Christian that's just dealing with the same issues of life. That everybody else is dealing with, but how God is helping me through it. Yes. You know? Yes. So, in a conversational manner, you know?
0: I love if it. Ever, if you ever need a podcast guest, hey, man, I'll, I'll come. I'll, come <laughs> I'll, I'll return the podcast you, guest favor. You got it. You got it.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> I, congratulations. I, I would definitely love to have you guys on. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, so, I, the, the beauty of it that I've realized podcasting is a community. Mm. I've noticed that in, in, in the groups and all that. Uh, there's a lot of support for each other um, in, I think it's been eight weeks or nine weeks since I, since I launched, because uh, I launched the very first uh, Monday of the year. Um, I've had listeners from, I think, almost 20 different states in the United States, That's uh, but also internationally. I've had listeners from Belgium, from Hungary, uh, from England, from Australia, and Indonesia. Now, Belgium makes sense because I lived there for four and a half years. But those other countries, (laughs) I don't know anybody there. So I'm (laughs) like, hey, awesome. You know, awesome.
0: You know, I, I love it. We'll we'll definitely put a link um, to the podcast in the description of the episode. Absolutely.
1: So. I'm excited to listen to uh, it myself. Cisco,
0: <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It was great to hear your story. Um, and thank you so much for your service. I, I, I yes. never, I never want to forget that part of it all too, because um, people know your story now, but your story is, is not uncommon with a lot of the military. So if people if you see a military person thank them please give them give them the love they deserve so we appreciate you thank you so much
2: Cisco. all right thank you for having me on i I really appreciate you giving me this time to to share my story and and i've listened to your podcast you guys are doing great things thank you you know uh, (laughs) so you you guys are definitely gonna plug on my podcast you know (laughs) i definitely want i definitely want to share it and and hopefully you guys get more support all
0: right appreciate it well, uh, thank you for being here for today's episode, and we'll talk to you later.
1: We love you. Bye.